to Tennis with Gigi Salmon and Naomi Cavaday, which is our off-air conversations on air. And I was thinking about this, Naomi, that tennis is at the heart or should be at the heart of what we do. But last week, I think there was more ish and not as much tennis. Yeah, maybe we don't talk about tennis as much as we think. <laughs> we, we thought that we spend all of our time when we're not on air, when we're off air, talking about tennis, because it's kind of what we do. Maybe we don't. Maybe we just kind of sit around and talk about random things. But we're just in a tennis we're setting. Just, just in a tennis Whether it's a commentary vicinity. box <laughs> or a tournament, we've just watched tennis. So maybe we think we just talk about tennis and we don't actually talk about tennis. Well, maybe let's see how we go. Let's see where we end up. We thought <laughs> that to record this edition of tennis with the most recent tournament in everyone's minds still being Wimbledon that we should we've come to Wimbledon to record the podcast yeah which is very tennessee i think that's that's a great start but not wimbledon no not at uh, not at the club but just in Wimbledon, the, the town. Because Are you a member of Wimbledon? It's a place. No, not yet. So you couldn't get us in even if we wanted it? No, no I, no, I couldn't, unfortunately. But we've tried to get close, so we're... We can it, see it. We, <laughs> we can, we're in the vicinity of Wimbledon. Yeah, we absolutely. Thought, well, we felt that might give us a little bit more push towards the tennis side the of The memories, things. the memories of, of those two weeks. What was your standout memory from those two weeks? I think just, I mean, how ridiculous it all got <laughs> it all got a bit silly by the end didn't it to be honest it all started off very nice well actually you no know, it's the women's and the men's draws just alternated the women's first week crazy we lost all of the top 10 no one knew what was happening Shay was coming out with outrageous shots against Halep tennis you've never seen before it's like your worst nightmare to play against in a grand slam and the men were just kind of pootling along nicely just doing their thing we lost Chilich. Yeah, it was a big deal. It was a big deal. I that was a shock. Could... Big shock because yeah. he won Queens leading in. Yeah, and he was the final last year. So, And then and then it all changed. The women's kind of settled down and we ended up with Kerber and Serena in the final, which kind of seemed quite normal, to yes, be honest. Yes. And then, I don't know what happened to the men's. <laughs> six hours and 36 minutes for one semi-final and then five hours and was it 13 minutes for the second back to back before that Anderson taking out Federer in five sets you know before that Nadal against Del Pocho was just craziness I mean some of the the level of tennis we were watching the scores 26-24 in the end isn't it Anderson and then you know and it all just it all just went nuts and Djokovic back he's back Djok- Djokovic ended up being the winner who would have said that apart from you? You were the only you were the only one. Well, we were asked predictions, weren't we? We were all doing predictions at, at the start of the year and it was only by chance that I should have had Murray, but I moved Murray. I thought that was too soon. I put Djokovic in, didn't want to put Federer in. It was a case of wanting to be a little bit different because I think everyone else was putting Federer in there. Yeah. Not like for the French Open I would have suddenly said it's not gonna be Nadal, not silly, put Nadal <laughs> in there. But I thought, look, he's won it three times and I didn't have a lot of confidence really for the first few months of the year. But he's back and I was thinking while I was watching him that how many sports or professions do you get where there is so much pressure and everybody looking at you trying to sort everything out? It's done very publicly. Yeah, it's been a rough year for him, you know, where you know, it, it's it's been challenging, definitely. And I think your pick of Djokovic actually at the beginning of the year I thought was was pretty sound I could I could understand he was coming back we knew he was going to come back quite soon and and I, I actually think that it was it was it was kind of <laughs> it was a realistic shout that Djokovic would come back win lots of tournaments and then win Wimbledon but he didn't win lots of tournaments he turned up to Indian Wells and Miami and and was 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 poor to be fair like he really 
I mean, mentally, I don't know what was going on with him there. He clearly just didn't have the motivation. He, he looked, looked like he didn't care. And it looked like he hadn't eaten for a while. And he is slim anyway, but he looked even slimmer over that India Wales Miami Sunshine swim. Yeah, and so that was concerning. And then, you know, he lost to Cecchinato at the French Open and he said, I don't even want to play the grass. So you must have been worried about your predictions then. I mean, <laughs> yes, <laughs> he must have been thinking, hang uh, on a second, sort yourself out. <laughs> it, but what I'm trying to say is what's odd is that at the beginning of the year, you saying, oh, Djokovic is going to win Wimbledon, because this is when we did our predictions before the year started, I would have kind of gone, yeah, all right, I see it. Who did you but, pick? But, no, no, but as... <laughs> no, hang on. <laughs> but as the years progressed, it's become more and more ludicrous that he would win Wimbledon because he came back and at the Indian Wells, like I was saying, and then and this, and then he wasn't going to play the grass and he was poor at French Open. I mean, surely, before he played Queens, yeah, it's just weird to think that Djokovic should win Wimbledon, No. Do you, know, do you know what I mean, though? But it, it's funny that your p- prediction, as time went on, got or got clever. worse and worse. Oh, yes. But then it ends up being right. Yeah, and and who did you go for? Obviously, you were wrong, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm always wrong. <laughs> I'm always wrong. And I remember, in this podcast, I'm the ish. I'm not even meant to be the tennis part of this podcast. Yeah, but I'm always at the bottom of the predict- of our predictions charts because I like to be interesting. You are because everybody you? else is so boring. So okay. boring. I so, like to be interesting. Oh, you like to be interesting. Who did you pick? <laughs> who, who did you pick to win Wimbledon <laughs> in your interesting picks? Well, Federer. But oh, that's I'm not interesting. Silly. I'm not. That, yeah, that's but, interesting. No, but <laughs> I did. I I think I went for Nadal for the French Open shock, and Federer for Wimbledon, and I think I went big on US Open and Australian Open. I picked Dimitrov for Australian Open. Oh dear. I can't remember who I picked for US. I I put Andy Murray in there. For for yes, yeah. yeah. See, that's not going to happen, is it? Well, you didn't think Djokovic was going to happen. Well, quite. But, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, US Open is quite close. I mean, Andy's playing. He, he's back playing. It's it's just the five set thing. I just and hard courts on the hip out. I was just thinking, Wimbledon looks quite nice from this distance. I mean, we can't see a lot of it. We can maybe see the corner of the centre court roof. <laughs> it's it's quite nice. It's green. It's, it's it's bringing back memory. I mean, something another storyline from the tournament. Is Serena Williams? Is that your is that your memory from the event? Or I think really? it's it was one of the themes that we were focusing on. Serena Williams put in as the twenty fifth seed, started as world number one hundred and eighty one, yeah, kind of justified the seeding by the end of the tournament. <laughs> All of this conversation, and I know Sybil Kova had a really good run because she, she was bumped out of the seeding. Do you know she likes to sniff balls? Yeah, I know about the sniffing balls thing. It, it's 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 a done thing. Everybody sniffs balls when they open a can. No, I, no but I I know that, she knows. That is a bold statement. Everybody <laughs> sniffs balls when they open a can. Well, I think most people do. I have not seen anyone. If you like the balls. smell of petrol, you will like the smell of it. And you, they do. I'm telling you. They must do it really subtly because you don't. She. Oh yeah. It's she just really. Quick... She really sniffs them. Yeah, but she's made a declaration that she's the tennis ball sniffer expert. Because she knows the difference between all the different sorts of balls, which is that's a bit far. I couldn't do that from the smell. Yeah, so she can. That she did a blind test. No, she did. Yeah, she did, and she had. I think it was five different different makes of ball, and she smelt the ball, and she got them all right. And there are a lot of makes of balls that we use through the year. I say we as if I'm still playing, <laughs> and me as if I've ever played. <laughs> yeah. No, so yeah, she you did had a blind Slazen- ball. Sniffing. Yeah, you had Slazenger, U.S. Open. <laughs> you would have had Penn. I can't remember what else there was, but there's a good four or five, and she got them all right. Spot on. Did you sniff them when you pl- not? I have sniffed them. I probably didn't sniff them regularly, but like I've I've sniffed them. I'm not sure everyone does. Hers is quite over. I think a Hers lot is... of people. No, she's she's got a bit of a thing for it. It's it's borderline odd. 
but most people will have a sniff at balls sometimes. Well, everyone nice. has... What were your things on court? Did you have any things that you did that we'd, no, I might be commentating on you? I might say, <laughs> oh, there's Naomi again doing whatever. Now, do you know, I was talking about this actually during the championships because we were talking about superstitions. And, of course, you know, Nadal's routines. I mean, you've got two, we had two A4 pages for all of his <laughs> <laughs> superstitions. And I just think it's not a way to live. It's just, it's just difficult. Do you think he's like that at home? Yes. Do you think so? Yes. I've got nothing to base that on. I just, that's, that's just what I think. It was very confident, yes. No, I just think he is because he's just, because even when he's taking pictures with people, he has to do certain things. But on the practice courts, he doesn't do all that stuff. He gets a ball and he hits the ball. And it's when he comes onto the yeah. match court that everything clicks. And when he's on the practice court, you don't see him being quite so specific. Very, well, I suppose he's a very nervy person, isn't he? He's very nervous as a, as a character. He does try and hide it well. But I think we can we can see that, you know, even walking onto court, a lot of it is just nervous energy. He's trying to get out of his system. But no, so I, I was... This is, <laughs> this is going to turn into a therapy session. But I was so anti-superstitions because I thought that if you have superstitions then when things go wrong then you can't play oh wow so, so if, you, if you didn't do everything you needed to do you'd lose the point or yeah you... exactly so like, so my brother for example used to listen to a playlist he used to listen to his songs before going onto the court and he'd do that every single time and then there was one match and I went to watch him and his, his, uh, his iPod broke so he couldn't listen to the music and then he just couldn't play and then after the match, he said, well, I, I couldn't listen to my music, so I just couldn't play. And I was like, that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard, as in, it's music. Which means you then couldn't play. That's, that's silly. I, I'm maybe sending this a little harshly on my brother, to be honest. <laughs> does, does he get a right to reply at any point? <laughs> no. But anyway, so from that, because I was quite young at the time, I was probably only about 12 or 13. So from that, I've been so anti-making any sort of routine that I've probably put more effort into breaking routines and superstitions than anything else so I, I I would try to wear different clothes and I would try to use different rackets and I would try to make sure I get the ball from different sides and I, I didn't want to fall into the trap of wanting to have the same ball because I've used it you know, do you know what I mean exhausting you know I just it's exhausting no it wasn't exhausting the Having point to keep was thinking that, not to do the same no it wasn't actually like, no it wasn't like that what what happened is is that you know you, you play a point like you hit an ace with a ball and then you kind of get the same ball back and I'm like okay that's fine but I don't want to keep doing that because then what if they what if they can't find the ball what if it's stuck in a bush or something I'm not going to be able to play the point do you see what I mean stuck in a bush what kind of tournaments are you playing it's going to get stuck in a bush <laughs> low level events <laughs> and so you wouldn't if you wouldn't use the same some people use the same shower or the same toilet if that same toilet was free you wouldn't you'd wait and use another one because you don't want to use the same toilet no, 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 I, no, not like that. I'd, I'd happily use something twice in a row, but I wouldn't want to do it three times, four times in a row, because what if then when, I get when, to the when does time? it When does it become a habit? Probably three. Oh, you, there's a number? Okay. So I'd do a couple. So, like, you know, going to a restaurant the night before, I'd go, I'd go to... I'd go to nice Italian or whatever. It's fine. I'd happily go a second time. But if I go three times in a row and I'm still in the tournament, well, what if that restaurant is closed for the night? Big trouble. I'm going I'm, I'm to freak out, aren't I? You know, like, I'm going to be you know terrified about it well I don't know but that was my fear so I, I've kind of been so anti-superstitious that I've almost developed a superstition around it you've developed a superstition <laughs> of not doing the same thing which is a superstition yeah pretty much I told you this would be a therapy session it we is, can keep well, going no I, I'm do you have any rituals before I before you, you you're live on air before you commentate on tv 
on the radio do you, do you get nervous at all get nervous i think nerves are a good thing do you get nervous always or do you get nervous for kind of bigger things like bigger matches or i think maybe not always but if it's the start of a tournament or the start of a day you've got those good nerves because you want it to go well and start well and then you get lost in a match and i think whatever match whatever size whatever level you just forget about everything and you're so caught up. I, this is the wonderful thing about commentating you just get lost in a little bubble do i use the same pen pad drink from a certain side <laughs> um, sit in a certain chair but th- there are people I, I've commentated when I was commentating at Wimbledon if I was in a commentary box um, for television I'd get in there be prepping and when my co-commentator came in and it was and it was one match and they just came in and stared at me and I was like hi and they just were staring and after a while I said would you like to sit here <laughs> they said yes I must sit on the left I have to sit on the left I must sit on the left I have to sit on the left and I was like then that's fine it, so it's just not a so way I, to live went and sat on the right and it was absolutely fine so I don't think I've got I don't think I'm a very superstitious person nerves though are good I mean you must have on the court were you a very nervy person or were you fine um no I, I normally would start out matches quite well and the nerves would hit at some point which is the worst way round. it's so much easier if you have nerves before you walk out on court because you can kind of get to grips with them and then you can spend the first few games when you know it's not as important because of the, the scoreboard um you know trying to get them out and you can do certain things like you know every so one of the best ways to get rid of nerves if you're tight you're really tight with your upper body and your shots so if, if you're opponent misses a serve long you know, use that and you play a full full swing you absolutely belt it sometimes into the back fence doesn't matter just loosen off and if you do that kind of seven or eight times you can actually really start feeling better um, but I was more kind of a, I'd start off great and then the nerves would just hit at some point and that's really difficult because it's normally at a crucial moment and it, like, you, you have to suddenly change everything and try and cope with that and you've got your opponent you've got the score and there's emotions and things it's much better just to be nervous before you go on the court so you can try and, and get to grips with it so how do you how do you how do you deal with that how do you learn not to get i feel like we're having another therapy session (laughs) but how how do you learn if you know that that will happen or is likely to happen how how do you deal with it how do you look can a coach can someone help you to deal with the fact that you're not going to get nervous or how does that work well the annoying thing is is that it doesn't happen every time so you don't know it's going to happen it can just sometimes hit you and for me it would always I'd kind of get the shakes and I'd and I'd and you, you got to tell yourself all the right stuff you know you're just like Joanna Conte in the process right and it's just um and I tell myself you know I'm fine I feel good you know big big breath out being like okay you know this is all good I'm fine and I'd bounce the ball go to looking to serve I'm like okay pick my favorite serve I'm going to swing this lefty one out wide we're all going to be good and, as I, and I bounce the ball and then you know you bring your racket your racket towards the ball and you kind of your hands meet and you hold the ball to the racket before you then swing well I'd bring my racket up and it's just shaking rapidly and I look at it and then I'd have to stop and be like okay I'm not okay um, take a breath and let's try and do it again them. but no they can't really sit down that end but I just have to reset and then I bounce the ball again and then I bring it up and it's still shaking and then I go okay maybe I oh you do the little sneaky thing if you bounce the ball on your foot and then you buy yourself a bit more time and it shoots off. Isn't oh, that sometimes you know, done on purpose? It is almost always done on purpose. Do you think a professional athlete can <laughs> accidentally bounce I've, a ball on their I've foot? I've never really thought about always. it. And it's always it's... after a long point when they need a bit of a breather physically. Always done on purpose. Really, it's interesting because in the women's singles final, Serena Williams against Angelique Kerber, 
when they came out, Serena Williams did look a little bit nervous. And there's that part of you thinking, how is she nervous? She's won 23 Grand Slam titles. She's going for her eighth Wimbledon title. I think sometimes we affect, it doesn't matter who you are, uh, but nerves affect her. And for her, this was, it was massive, wasn't it? She had had a baby daughter. It was her second Grand Slam she's competed in since she gave birth, everything she went through. And she looked, it can happen to anybody. Oh, yeah. And as I say, Nadal is still nervous when he turns up to Roland Garros and he owns the place. But I don't think Serena helped herself. Did you see her box? I mean, the people that she put in her box in terms of sporting achievements were extraordinary. Lewis Hamilton, Tiger Woods. Who else was in there? Well, we had lots of actors and actresses who I didn't really recognise the name. I I, I recognise the names, but I didn't really know what they'd done. But we had some singers. There was Anna Wintour. She was in the box as well, yeah. There were... She's a good friend, I think. But I don't, I don't know. Is, is that comforting to kind of look at, though, if you're, you're a little bit nervous? Like, I, I would always want people that I kind of look at and I feel a little bit of but comfort. If but if they're good friends, it's comfort, isn't it? No, they are good friends. Then I guess it's comforting to look up. To us, we're thinking, whoa, that's X or Y. But to her, she's thinking... I mean, I was thinking there's got to be someone sitting on someone's lap because it was absolutely... Angelique Kerber's box was fairly sparse in comparison. Oh, yeah, why would you need it full? Because you're in a Wimbledon final. You ring every... Are you telling me you get to the Wimbledon final, I'm talking singles, mixed or doubles, and you do not pack out your box? No, but I'm British and everybody lives here. My aunt lives in Southfields, well, literally can, down the road. You can get a flight and come over if you're not... Well, she had, she country. had the Duchess of Sussex as well supporting her. Who had to be Megan in the Royal Box. In the Royal I asked... Box. Um, I was doing a match with Mark Woodford... legend of the Wimbledon parts on the doubles court and I asked him and I was talking to him about Serena Williams box pack full of a who's who of of whatever and I said who is the most famous person you had in your box and he said he started saying well Todd Woodbridge and I would sometimes invite Qantas executives and I thought it's not very interesting (laughs) but but it's useful because when you've got a wife and two children upgrades flights very clever and then a couple of games later because we were working on the mixed doubles final he said I've I've remembered the most famous people in my box, he said, but I'm I'm just a little bit embarrassed to tell you who is in my box. I said, Come on, I was waiting and I you know tenter hooks and he said I had I had members of Starlight Express oh. <laughs> in my box. And I sort they of celebrities. I didn't know if that was a joke or not. He seen he saw, because it was discontinued in the West End the musical, he saw Starlight Express Thirteen times. Oh, so they were they were heroes to him. So that's 13 sweet. Thirteen times. That's so that, on the roller him, skates. To him, that's like having Tiger Woods in in your box, pretty much. To no, to no one else is that like having Tiger Woods to, to in your no box. No one else. <laughs> but to him, <laughs> to absolutely. And then the, and then it, it got even better for Mark because then he then got a little bit sad because I brought up the moment it was discontinued from the West End, and you know the face fell because that was something he always did when he came to London. Then word came in our headphones from our producer. They they are. Rev- Surviving Starlight Express no. in the West End. And the smile on Mark Woodford's face, he, it took him, I would say, a good couple of games. I'm basing this all on games because we were watching the final. For that to sink in, that news. I mean, that, oh. that for him was bigger than anything that happened at Wimbledon over the course of the two weeks. The fact they're reviving Starlight Express. So, will he be able to see it next year? I imagine so. If, it, if it's revived and it's still going. I thought he was going to start singing at one point. <laughs> <laughs> is it but a sing-along thing? I'm not sure. I've not seen it. I just know they're on, they're on roller skates, aren't In they? In musical, they sing. I just have you been to a dancing? musical? I've been to a musical, yeah. Do you have a favourite musical? I, I, I do enjoy a musical. Uh, I saw The Book of Mormon <laughs> a couple of years ago. That's the big, the best benefit of playing at Wimbledon. You get your free theatre tickets. 
Do you? Yeah, they have a box office in the players' area. Do you? Can you still go? That's there? why he's been to Sala Express every year. I didn't know that. Because so you, you go to, so it's part of your your gift. Part there are gifts everywhere. What t- at the, the nice places? There's um there's a voucher for the shop. Yeah, it's different at all the slams, and we can compare. But Wimbledon's really good because you, you get you get a pair of this tickets, and you can go to any show you want. You can book it on any day you want. They set up. Well, I don't know if it's still the same now, but when I was playing, I mean, I haven't played for six, seven years. But when I was playing, they they just had a box office there. So somebody would just come, they have their own little office, and you just walk in and say, can I go and see The Lion King on Saturday? And it was free? Yeah, they, everybody just got a pair of tickets. More than two tickets? No, depending but, who you oh, but no, 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 no. Two tickets, but uh, but then you do swapsies and stuff. Um, you know, the Brits, because there are a lot of foreigners that are not going to use it. A lot of the foreign players just they just won't use it. They just don't have anyone here with them, or they're just going to leave, or they're just not interested. Right. Okay. So you can speak to people, and I've known British players to collect a good, you know, twelve tickets. Take take so out. So they'd the get whole. they'd get the player who wasn't interested to take their free ticket. Say, look, I want to go and see Cats so, on Thursday yeah. night. So normally how it works is you 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 normally find somebody from a Grand Slam nation. So if I find a French player. Um, well, French, they, they do tend to have people over, but say um, an Aussie, they're not going to have family and friends and stuff. So you, you have a couple, of, a couple of things. So do their tickets for the day, they often don't use them. So you say, can I have your spare one ticket Oh, so day? the ground passes. Yeah, they, they might have a spare ground pass. So you say, can I have one and I'll give you one in Australian Open because they'll need it. And they absolutely jump at the chance. And you remember that? So when January oh, comes Oh, around. no, yeah, deals are made. And it's similar with the... Because also in New York, they do Broadway tickets. But I'm not sure if you have to buy them or not. But that's less of a thing. In Wimbledon, they do like a whole box office thing and they make it make it a big deal. But yeah, so you just you just you just trade with people. Some people will just say, yeah, just have them. They'll they'll just walk into the box office with you and they'll just say, yeah, just have them. And other people will say, yeah, that's fine. But can I have your US Open hoodie? Oh. Did you yeah. ever ask someone and they said no? Can I have your tickets? Whatever. Did you ever well, get only, someone say only no? if they were using them? I've never had anybody say no, who. Who's, who knew they weren't going to use them. And there's a voucher for the shop. That's about £200 or so. Yeah. So at US Open, you get a hoodie, but you don't. But here they just say, buy what you want in the shop. So you could buy a hoodie Which if you want. Which is a lot better. Yeah, exactly. Did you buy stuff for yourself or for other people? I normally bought for other people. Towels? Because my aunt that lives in Southfield, <laughs> I used to stay with her <laughs> for the whole time. So it's towels are good. Yeah, towels are strong. But you wouldn't need to buy towels because you're, you're taking so many off the court that you wash them, fold them up and just give them as gifts. I, I have lots of towels at home, but I, they're just in use. But you could if you were short of a present, so you know, wash it, right, so how, how fold many... it up, wrap it up and give it to someone. Yes, but I just... Yeah, and I did that, definitely, but I would also just buy a couple of others. Did you end stuff. up with your free towels Christmas is sorted. No. Because you've gone from being a player, getting free theatre tickets and, and £200 spend in the shop... Yeah, to get to, nothing. ...to getting a free towel that you didn't even claim. The media is not treated in the same way as the players are I hate to break it to you and the other difference is between spectator media and players is the food in the restaurants it's a large difference it's a large a lot of places yeah. there's there's a large difference isn't there and, and I've been into Paris the French Open I've been into the player restaurant there and it's it's lovely yeah it's, I mean what do you expect it's it's really <laughs> everything made to order Everything healthy. You don't have to be healthy because they've got to cater for the families and children that go in yeah. there as well. It's it's very well looked after, I would say. Yeah, there's just normally more variety, I think, in the players' areas. In every slam, there's food in, in the competitors' area that you can't get in the media restaurants or in other other places. That's just. Can you sneak back in there? Oh, at Wimbledon, yeah, I can go in the 
Can you? Yeah. Do you have that on your yeah. badge? Oh, okay, that's I interesting. Do. Only at Wimbledon, but I can't can't at the other slams, unfortunately. There are some slams, like the French Open, you can you can sneak in. You can say, I'm going to interview someone. And oh, okay. You, you get a little pass. And so in, you're saying they're lax on security and, there? And in the end, just, you know, you've got to get a little pass. You've got to say. Oh, okay. So you could say, I'm Naomi Cavity, I'm going in there to interview the coach of someone. And then you get a little armband. You have to get an armband. And then the security fellow will let you in with your armband. I'm surprised they let you in because it's a it's a big thing uh, at tournaments to try and keep the media and the players separate. There's a lot and in the French Open in the, in the players' restaurant. Really? Yes. So that's amazing to me because, it, you know, somewhere like Wimbledon, they're really quite strict on it. They do have, at the French Open, you can't, if you went into the players' restaurant, you can't eat between a certain time and a certain time. Uh, players can, but... But you can just hang out but you, you somebody can, from the you press. You can hang out there. There's no time limit. Once you've got your band or... I think I had it because I was working for the French Tennis Federation, so it was on my pass. I could go in and hang out, speak to people, meet people there. Mm. But if you wanted to go up and get some of the lovely food, you couldn't really do that. It was sort of after a certain time. But were there rules about how you could be in there? Like you can't ask people for interviews and stuff? No, you went in there to ask for interviews. Oh, see, that's what, yeah, so that's really strange because, you know, at Wimbledon, you're not allowed to take, no one's allowed to take pictures in the competitors' area. Really? So people kind of do because they, they just want to have places in at the tournament where players can relax and if there is media all, always around, then that means that you can't have a relaxed conversation at any of the tables because, you know, somebody might be listening or whatever or people are asking you for stuff and, and it's just kind of a... I don't know. It's just kind of an etiquette thing that you wouldn't you wouldn't ask for autographs and that sort of thing. And you can when they come out of that area. So if I have like I don't know if like my mum came up or something, you know, I wouldn't want to interrupt Novak eating his lunch for her to ask him for an autograph because it's just not okay. Because otherwise, there is nowhere in the whole vicinity of the, the Grand Slams that you can that you can just chill out. I mean, largely you wouldn't do it. There are a number of journalists who are allowed into the players' restaurant and the players' area at the Grand Slams, and I don't think they'll go up to someone and say, "Hi, Novak." going to sit next to you and sort of have a chat but that's when you can it's a good place to go and get coaches people that you might not yeah. see elsewhere but you can they wouldn't go and grab someone like Roger Federer I mean they, they pick their target but the, the friendships well I find at tournaments you get your accreditation and it just has weird pictures on it so they in Roland Garros on the badge there was a picture of feet two feet no one ever knew what that meant and there was no book to say what it meant just two feet it's probably just the so that you know that it's real. So at Wimbledon, they went through a phase where they had kind of bubbles in the background and weird things in the background. No, this was one of, you know, you get little... So at Wimbledon, there's letters. Oh, like a logo. A logo. So at Wimbledon, there's letters to say. It says broadcast centre, maybe it says press area yeah. or place. But you have initials and you can sort of figure it out. It's all symbols at the French Open. And last year, I felt very special because the only thing I had on my, on my accreditation, I had the trophy the French Open trophy and I thought well hang on a second this has to be a good sign so I, I kept trying to go through doors and they kept opening oh. I never found out what the trophy meant maybe the trophy trophy is AAA but this year no trophy and I had two or three symbols I'm still not sure what most of them meant but one of them in the feet one of them was just two feet what does that mean two feet and there was no there's nothing to say what that means I mean, sometimes they put like a knife and fork and you think, great, I'm going to be able to eat at this tournament. This was just two feet. <laughs> You're allowed. Which is always really important. It meant yeah. there might be a little bit of, because some tournaments, you have money on the passes, which is a wonderful thing. Yeah. But this was just feet. And I still don't know what that meant. I couldn't even attempt to guess at that. No, I know. 
so I didn't know what it. You just would try your luck and go through doors. There was a key. I think. Yeah, you you always want to try. The key Definitely. was, I think the players' lounge was the key, if I remember rightly. But it was, uh, yeah, they're quite good it's at really letting confusing. people... I prefer the, the letters, the initials. Yeah, it, it just tells you what's going on. But yeah. it, it's, CA is competitor's area. It's not, not makes too sense, challenging. Doesn't it? right? it's, yeah. it's amazing how all the different Grand Slams, like the US Open, they have a player's garden. And the player's garden is a really relaxed... Well, it's not in the first few days. It's chaotic. And that's where journalists can go and do interviews. So if there's television interviews, they'll go to the, the garden at Flushing Meadows yeah. and do the interview. But the great thing is you're trying to do an interview. It's also where they book their cars from. So you have a lady in a very high-pitched voice going, David Ferrer, in the <laughs> middle of your interview. <laughs> and if for some reason David Ferrer doesn't answer... David Ferrer! And it just gets louder and louder and louder until, bless him, David Ferrer pops up for his car. So you're sitting down <laughs> trying that. to do quite a serious, you know, it didn't go very well today, what's the plan moving forward from here? And if there's a rush on cars, <laughs> all you're hearing are these players' names. And sometimes they can't pronounce the player's name, especially oh. in those early days when you've got the mix of the qualifiers who haven't been in here. And you get some, and you're listening to these pronunciations thinking... I don't even know who that car's for, so <laughs> no wonder no one's getting up. But it's it's amazing how how each of the Grand Slams does things very very differently. And in and in the case of and in Australia this year, they tried to recreate the garden and an Australian garden which they used to have at the Australian Open inside a room. So you went into a media room and there were flowers and trees and they wanted to make it look like it was oh. a garden, but it was actually inside. Nice. So you could be in an air-conditioned garden, I imagine. It was an air-conditioned garden, oh, and that's it was pleasant. and it was all very. I meant if you were filming the interview, things looked quite nice because ah. the year before they're making a lot of changes at the Australian Open. They used to be they had a a garden where people would hang out and the media could go to interviews. But they're changing things. I think they're changing it slightly to, as you touched on there, to give players a bit more privacy. Yeah, and it, it is important though. I, I do think it. You know, I, I know that people in the media can get a bit frustrated at it, and. I feel like there should be more contact time with players, but I think that that should be structured and it should be outside. I think there should be more informal time. I, I don't like the fact that, you know, so much of the media contact is when doing interviews and when doing work. And actually there just should be more communication. Everybody should get to know each other. Everybody's on the same tour. Everybody's going around the world together. And it, I just I, and I would like to see that. But I, I, I'm a big fan of just a little bit of, of separation. And, I, and I, I think it's really needed if you're a player. You just don't want to there are just times you know you just need to know that you can go to an area otherwise you just always have to leave and you just have to go off site and go to that your agency's house or whatever it just becomes a bit of a pain but I do think that's quite important and also they do a similar thing actually in the changing rooms so for the, for the men's changing rooms and slams coaches and players can come in as long as you are male um, <laughs> and they can use the changing rooms but for the women's change rooms, because they've had historically issues with parents and coaches, uh, whatever it may be, they have banned coaches from the changing rooms because they wanted a place that players can go. It's more on the parent side of things. This came in like 10, 15, 20 years ago, to be honest. But it, it's really irritating if you're a female coach at the Slams because you say, where's my changing room? And there was a time where there basically just weren't any changing rooms and you'd go and the female coaches would go and hit and practice and they couldn't really go anywhere. That's all been resolved now, don't worry. Uh, but there, there was a period of time where it was quite funny because 
okay, there weren't many female coaches on the tour, even with the girls, even with the, the women in, in, in the tournament as well. But I like that. I think it, it, you, you do need a little bit of, you know, you time. And as I say, there was a time where, you know, a female player or one of the young girls in the, the junior tournament just has a heartbreaking loss and they march into the change room and they are followed by a mother who's kind of going to town on them. And it was just protection because we, you know, and back then we had so many teenagers involved as well. We said it's, it's different now, but you know, I like that. And it, it's just giving players just a little bit of breathing room in, in, in certain, but in certain events where you would get players that would just sit in the change room and just be like, I'm not coming out. <laughs> I'm not coming out. Someone bring me some food. <laughs> I mean, they, they're they just sitting in the corner. <laughs> just, I'm going to wait. <laughs> just going to wait here for ages. And they would, and because a lot of the, a lot of the, the female players hang out in the change room, I think the, the men less so. Now, someone else who I imagine needs his space and a little bit of time at the moment <laughs> is, is Sven, because Sven underwent something recently that we mentioned last week. But how is how's Sven getting on? Slightly different Sven than a couple of weeks ago. Well, I was, I was worried about him. He had the snip a couple of weeks ago. Sven's a dog, for anyone wondering. <laughs> He's my puppy and our <laughs> tennis mascot. And uh, yeah, no, he's he's fine. He's you know he's just a bit of a drama queen, which is quite irritating. Where does he get it, that from? Well, I was just going to say it's quite <laughs> irritating because it doesn't quite fit in our family vibe. And you know we kind of just look at him and just you know he's been through something quite traumatic. He has, I, Im- I imagine. He has, but he's a dog. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's no, you're a little no, bit softer I'm, last week with Sven. I feel you're taking the hard line now. No, he's done. He's done really well. He was traumatised for the first day. Uh, he just didn't like having the cone on. He was just he was just trying to get it off, and he was stressed about having the cone on because he couldn't sleep because he sleeps in really odd positions, and uh, the cone was hindering his comfortable sleeping pattern. And you know what? I could sympathise with him. I wouldn't want a cone around my head either, to be honest. <laughs> Especially when it was baking hot. Uh, you know, timing was not. We got that wrong. I'm not going to lie. So I did feel a bit guilty to him for him because it was really hot. I was working all the time. He took the whole thing quite badly, and we were just in a quite a stressful situation. But he's fine. He's a trooper. The cone is off. Now I'm not sure if if you're going to be traumatised tomorrow because um, you're doing something quite important. <laughs> is it that important? Well, if you're doing it 18 months in advance, I would say yes. It's not 18 months in advance. How many it's months? Less than a year. Is it less than a year? Just less than a year, by like a week. I'm getting married in 2019, the weekend after Wimbledon. So it's basically a year. The weekend after? Yeah, what so if... there's a, a week from the finals, a week from the finals No, no, day. I get what a week after is. <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> Sorry. So, Sorry, I just so, thought you were tired or something. So, <laughs> always tired. So, so, so I'm thinking it's a big thing because it's, it's, a, year <laughs> oh, in, it's a year in advance. Year in advance that you're going wedding dress shopping. Well, yeah, and the reason is that my maid of honour lives in Copenhagen, mm. and she's over Tricky. for a couple of weeks. End of July, um, she's here because the, she's a chef, and the restaurant's closed. Um, they just closed for a month, um, so she's over. And I just thought that works well with flying, the wedding as well with your maid of yes, honour. Yes, exactly, it's perfect. So I thought just instead of flying her back to come because she really wanted to come basically, and I wanted her to be there. So I just thought, well, we'll just kind of 
do it kind of post Wimbledon. I've got a couple of weeks before US Open Series starts. She's around. It's only the initial one. I don't expect to find a wedding dress, but we are going dress shopping. I look forward um, to hearing it's about It's a full it. year in advance. If we do find something, I don't really know what I'm going to do because I feel quite uncomfortable buying something a year out. But, but if it's right, it's right. That's what people say, but I also think that's a load of nonsense. So... You said it's a load of nonsense. And I bet next time I speak to you, I just knew. Do you think? I put it on. And <laughs> I, I had just the magical knew, feeling. And I burst out crying. I don't think and so. And I just knew. I, don't, I, I cannot don't. wait to speak to you after you've been. You said, it's the one. <laughs> I'll text the, you tomorrow. It's the one I've always dreamed of. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a couple who've been staring at our bench. Not us. I think it's the bench that they want because we've been here a while. We're talking to microphones and I think they want us Maybe they want to sit and look at the corner of the roof of Centre Court that we can see from our park bench. So good luck with the wedding dress shopping. Let me know how that goes. What are you up to in the next couple of weeks? Are you off? Because I know I'm seeing you US Open Series sort of Cincinnati, Rogers Cup and night situation turn out. But until then? I'm back to being mum to the twins. Oh, chasing them no, around. You've always been mum to the twins. Oh yes, no, I've always you know, been. I'm actually going to be present. <laughs> decided because <laughs> every morning now they wake up and go bye bye, mummy, tennis. <laughs> so the, which is what they'll do tomorrow morning. I I imagine what they've done every morning since Wimbledon finished. They well, just hopefully go, they'll be pleased that you that you stick around and there is no tennis. I hope so. They say bye bye, mummy, <laughs> leaving now. Tennis. I'm like no no, I'm staying. Oh, mummy. So that's been going on for about a week or so. So I think we'll just continue down that track. Nice. Um, and then get ready, as you say, for the tennis to start again. And if people would like to get in touch with us, we are both on Twitter. I'm at Naomi Cavaday. You are at Gigi underscore Salmon. Yes, I like the sort of motion so, you did there with your hand. <laughs> drawing it. We are going to sort out a Twitter and Instagram account for tennis. I'm worried, though, about the Instagram account because you're just going to stick pictures of your dog on it. And I'm not sure that's what it's there for. But now you've made that statement, we now have to do it. No, we don't. I made the statement, so we don't do it. <laughs> this was a conversation we had off air, and not one of our off air conversations to have on it. But the whole thing is, it's now off we air have on to go and do it. <laughs> no, we don't. No, we have to we have to go do it now. We don't have to f- to fill it up with Sven. Sven will Sven will feature. So <laughs> might even get the. No, we can't feature the wedding dress because then Ben might see it, and that's not good. Is that not good? Well, okay. Apparently, it's it's not lucky, is it, to see it before the wedding day? Well, we. I, I've told you all about my lack of my anti-superstitions. So you're just going to be wearing it around the house <laughs> <laughs> at all times, brushing my teeth. We get up for dinner tonight, Ben. Got a lovely outfit, lovely white dress. <laughs> you might as well get the most out of it, right? Yeah, well, it, it depends how big you go with the dress, but Ben could be in for a treat for next year. You might be seeing it every weekend. So we will get those Twitter accounts set up, but you can ask us any questions or get in touch. And thank you for listening to Tennis, and we'll be back with you again soon.